you're a great professional, but tell me you're going to get absolutely rotten tonight, like me. <laughs> Possibly. Oh, Come on, Jordan, go for it, lad. Enjoy yourself. Cheers, hey! Cheers. And welcome to the Red Agenda, your podcast dedicated to Liverpool Football Club. So the Reds were injury ravaged heading into the game with Leicester and yet they still stole the show big time. What a message it sends out to the rest of the title challengers. We'll talk through that with Simon Hughes, James Pearce and Kiva O'Neill. I'm Steve Hoversaw. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a week. You can read all of our articles on Liverpool and so much more, as well as all of our podcasts ad-free. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod and pay just £1 a week. OK, so it felt like a hugely significant display and... Uh, Significant victory as well, given the injury problems that Jurgen Klopp had been dealt with. Let's let's welcome back James Pearce, who's had a bit of a rest for a couple of weeks. International break himself. Um, James, it, it was impressive, wasn't it? Very impressive, yeah. I think I probably wasn't alone in thinking that it would be a real struggle for Liverpool on, on Sunday evening with two reasons, really. One, obviously, the the huge list of players missing due to due to injury and illness and and also the fact that Leicester were um you know resurgent under Brendan Rodgers i think they've won 9 out of 12 in all competitions you know, before the weekend they were they they were top of the table and being talked about as as genuine contenders to to wrestle the title from Liverpool's grasp so um yeah to to do that to Leicester i i thought the best we could hope for would probably be a bit of a scrappy disjointed affair where we're talking about you know just how Liverpool dug deep, and again the mentality of the squad came to the fore. But it was that was real quality there. That was that was fluency that you, we we really had no right to expect with so many players missing. I mean, there's six guaranteed starters, isn't there? You know, you've taken out of that team with Gomez, Van Dijk, Trent, Henderson, Thiago, Salah. But you know, again, you know, it showcased the depth of the squad and. Um, I mean, in the end, I thought the scoreline actually massively flattered Leicester because, um, but for the woodwork, the heroics of Schmeichel and some last-ditch defending, it, you know, it could easily have been five or six. You see, Si, none, none of the other so-called challengers, Spurs, Man City, Chelsea, even Leicester, none of them, I think, could manage to perform in that manner with so many first-choice players absent. Mm. I, I was really surprised by the, the level of the performance and I think the word James used there was fluency. I think, you know, if you look right across the team, defensively, very, very organised. You know, the, the the I thought Joel Matip had an outstanding game and Fabinho, you, you barely noticed him, which is a good thing, you know, particularly as he was up along up against uh, Jamie Vardy. And then in midfield, I thought great ta- tactical discipline, but a willingness to get forward and, and create. And then up front, they, they were just uh, right at it right throughout the match. So... It was Liverpool's best performance of the season, I think, by by some distance, really. It was the sort of Liverpool performance you'd expect from maybe a year ago when they were going into this period and they, they were relentless winning game after game after game. I know James Milner spoke afterwards about, you know, it's, it's a good time to give that level of performance because now there's no distractions, there's no international breaks to sort of stop Liverpool's rhythm. So it should give the players a lot of confidence uh, because obviously some of those players aren't used to... Used to being 
in in the team against a, a quality opponent like Leicester. I thought Curtis Jones, you know, for me is showing signs of becoming a top player. I really, I really do think he could become a really good player for Liverpool. I thought a few, maybe a few question marks a few years ago about sort of his tactical discipline, but I thought his defensive side of his game was excellent uh, against Leicester. So really, really good sign, really, really good time to go and win that game in, in that fashion. Um, as, as James suggested there, it could have been a lot more convincing, really. So if this is Liverpool injury ravaged, Kiva, what sort of signal does that send out to everyone? Shockwaves, isn't it? It's massive. Um, you know, for the, the two weeks without Liverpool, it was injury after injury and just people on Twitter getting really depressed, to be honest, about what was happening. And, you know, there were some big blows, Joe Gomez, Jordan Henderson, obviously Salah. It was sort of like a really normal Liverpool international break where everyone's sort of panicking a little bit. Um, and then, you know, Liverpool go and do that, what we were all hoping for them to do, really. You know, we've we've mentioned and I've been mentioning for ages now, banging this drum, that, you know, beating Leicester in, in that fashion last year sort of just put Liverpool on a pedestal and now they've done that again, I think, even though, you know, there's, there's still teams at the top and you look at the likes of Tottenham and, you know, there's Chelsea, there's, there's teams still going to battle it out. But I think especially with, with Man City losing, that just sort of said, you know, this is... This is Liverpool now and even, you know, without so many key personnel, he can pull off performances like that. And I think that sort of sums up Jürgen Klopp's time at Liverpool, you know, and I think kind of that's the product of it last night because there's players who, you know, are on the fringes for a lot of the a lot of the time. Like James Milner, he hasn't always played, has he, recently? Um, but when he's called in, we we know exactly what he's capable of. And then obviously Simon mentions there players like Curtis Jones, who has oddly been involved, I think, in every match day squad this season in all competitions, and that's quietly gone under the radar. But you know, he's very much a part of this Liverpool squad now. Um, you know, I think next season we'll be just looking at him as just an, another player almost. And I think we already are, which I think speaks volumes for for him and you know what he's what he's getting up to this season. And, but yeah, it just lays down a massive marker, doesn't it? You know, all those players, you can reel off a massive list of who Liverpool were without, but they, they didn't, you know, didn't give anything up, did they? And they weren't without that, that passion and that mentality. And I think Liverpool fans will be absolutely buzzing, buzzing with that and all week now going into, you know, the Champions League and then Brighton at the weekend. And underneath all this, James, it's evidence of just how strong this Liverpool squad is and the attention and the detail that's gone into... Not just the eleven, but but the squad as a whole. Yeah, and I, and I think I think what it speaks volumes for is just how well drilled these players are. You know, not just not just physically, but I think in terms of tactically, they all know exactly what is expected of them. And um, you know, we've seen that time and time again. Not just this season with the setbacks, but you know, last season when when players had to step in, and you know, usually you. you You'd you'd expect you know a degree of rustiness if players haven't played many minutes, you know, thrown into maybe a, a system or a position that they haven't massively used to playing. Yet it just seems to be seamless, and I think that says a lot about first of all probably the quality of the training sessions that Pep Linders puts on. You know, he always talks about you know we train the way we play with the highest intensity, which he believes then almost negates the fact that you might not have played much game time because effectively you're ready to play because you've had to train already at such a high level. I think also 
I think it's Peter Krawitz, I think we saw again on Sunday, you know, his attention to detail with the video analysis side of things. It was, you know, it was telling how Liverpool really targeted those those gaps kind of either side of Leicester's three-man back line, the, you know, the space in behind the wing-backs and, and also how much trouble Liverpool caused them from set pieces, which, you know, again, without Van Dijk, you know, we maybe would have thought that Liverpool's threat from set pieces would be diminished. But, um, you know, two of the three goals came from that route and they could have had another couple more. So, um, so yeah, I think it, it was just to, to do that to Leicester, who, you know, were one of the, you know, the teams tipped to, to really push Liverpool um, without, you know, six guaranteed starters. And then obviously still no Oxlade-Chamberlain. Shakiri came back from duty with Switzerland with an injury as well. And then, um, of course, to lose Naby Keita to a hamstring injury during the game as well. To, it was, um, you know, it, it speaks volumes really about the culture that Klopp has created and, and also his man management. Because I think um, despite all these body blows and players dropping like flies, he, he hasn't allowed any hint of negativity to to creep in you know he he very much sets the tone at the AXA training ground on a on a daily basis and um you know I think you could see the spirit in the camp the fact that with so many missing they they performed to that level yeah it's, it's interesting what you're saying there James because and Kiva mentioned it I think we all started to believe in the three four days ahead of this game that oh there was a real problem for Liverpool the injuries were mounting up it was it was like a self fulfilling story wasn't it but so by the time you got to kick off you're thinking Leicester in with a great chance here but Jurgen's had entirely the the different mentality James yeah oh yeah 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 I think you know and and I think he I think he quite likes that actually the um you know this I think I think he he's quite clever at using things like that you know the noise outside the club to his own advantage and to Liverpool's advantage because, you know, I know in in the wake of Van Dijk's injury, he spoke to the players about, you know, everyone out there expects us to buckle now. Everyone expects this season to to fall apart. You know, they're, you know, they're writing obituaries about our season already, you know, but I believe in all of the, you lot, you know, and, and I believe we can cope and flourish without, without Virgil. And, you know, you can guarantee the messages would have been the same going into the weekend, the fact that, you know, just ignore all of that noise outside. And and in fact, probably, you know, and if you can't ignore it, then then channel it to, to prove to people that, that Liverpool can cope, that no matter what kind of adversity is thrown in their direction. And um, yeah, I think, you know, that was a real statement victory at the King Power last Boxing Day when Liverpool went there and won 4-0 on the, you know, on the back of the Club World Cup when everyone expected Liverpool to be fatigued and struggling you know, I'd put Sunday's win in the same kind of bracket in terms of significance because um, it's not just what that result does for Liverpool, it's what it does to their rivals as well. The fact that so many would have had their feet up on Sunday night, um, you know, relishing the prospect of, of Liverpool's season hitting the buffers and then for, the, for them to perform like that and then, you know, to, to know that now Mo Salah is going to be back, you know, Henderson, Thiago, Trent, all not far off. You know, it's... It's a real body blow for those people who were expecting Liverpool's charge to to really hit the rocks. It's it's the new Aston Villa away side. Um, it's end of the season. This is what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I do think there needs to be a, a little bit of balance in the discussion about in terms of the injuries Leicester have had as well. Like they were missing four key players. I think you know in the, in the builds up, people were getting very excited about Leicester whilst forgetting you know that they. They're missing players as well. I think uh, obviously Soyun Chu's been injured for quite a while now. I think and um, Castagna didn't play. Pereira wasn't there. Indeed, he wasn't there. They're all players who would improve 
Leicester's chances of performing to the standard you'd expect. And I, I mean, they, they were quite disappointing. I think it felt a bit like a sort of a Brendan Rodgers away performance in Europe when he was Liverpool manager. Just just wasn't really uh, able. They weren't able to make any impression on the match really, apart from the miss by Harvey Barnes, where he should have at least got it on target. You know, Liverpool were way comfortable, but but yeah, I, I think I think it could be a, a turning point in the season. It does feel like now Liverpool have got a bit of a run where you know they can just focus on on what they're doing rather than you know thinking about trips to to other parts of the world for international duty. I think that that's a that's a, a you know very good. But equally, I'm a bit concerned about the, the number of injuries that Liverpool have got because I don't think the squad can really afford to have any more to key players because I don't think Jürgen Klopp is exaggerating, you know, that there are genuine concerns that they're, they're going to run out to sort of establish first-team players anyway soon. If you, if you get two or three more injuries, uh, they certainly can't afford for that to happen in, in midfield or defence. So it'll be interesting how they deal with that. But I, I do I do think it was a, a really big win for Liverpool because it puts them right at the top of the tree again. People, clubs are going to be thinking, um, you know, they're right back on it. So, that you know, it's a, it's a great thing for Liverpool. Well, three cracking headers sealed this game. Uh, Johnny Evans showed everyone the way, Kiever. <laughs> the, the look on his face spoke vol. It was a great header, but the look on his face spoke volumes, didn't it? Oh, it was proper 50p, wasn't it? Just uh, didn't know where it was going, did he, trying to clear it? Um, and then he nearly had another, didn't he, at the other end in the second half, um, which would have been, you know, I mean, Carragher said on commentary, didn't he? You know, you're nearly catching me up there, lad, which I found really funny. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, really unlucky because I do really like Johnny Evans. He's a good defender, but, you know, I think it sort of felt like one of their players needed to have a performance like that. And, I mean, I think he was fairly good for the game, but it just felt like Liverpool needed a player of Johnny Evans' calibre to sort of have a game like that for them to really, you know, succeed. And, you know, he did, fortunately, for Liverpool. And, obviously, Liverpool's lads were all on it as well. Um you know, I think they had was it twenty four shots or something like that. Um, at which a high number of them, I think at least half of them were were on target. So Liverpool were absolutely dominant in the game, weren't they? Especially to see, I mean, Jota is just brilliant. We could talk, I'm sure the lads will as well, all week about him. You know, he's he's a phenomenal footballer, and the fact that I sort of thought when his header went in, I thought, you know what, I'm loving that he's scoring headers for Liverpool because I feel like sometimes the front three. The traditional front three have sort of lacked headers, maybe. You know, Salamane and Firmino probably don't score enough headers. But then Firmino pops up and scores a header, so then I couldn't really say that anymore. Um, but, you know, I think he's he's just such a positive player, isn't he? Jotter, he's added something. Liverpool almost, well, obviously Klopp and Linders and co all knew Liverpool probably needed this, but it just felt like we didn't think that Jotter would be the player to provide this sort of energy and the fan base are just absolutely adore him, don't they, at the minute? And I don't think he can put a foot wrong. He just seems to keep scoring. And, you know, long may it continue. Hello. I'm Ian McIntosh, and despite literally spending months of my life playing football manager, I'm still terrible at it. That's why I'm launching The Football Manager Show, the latest podcast from The Athletic. Every week, I'll speak to the people who know the game best, the people who make the game. We'll take a proper look at things like training, recruitment and tactics. We'll try to answer your questions. We'll do everything we can to keep you eager to play just one more game and altogether less inclined to quit without saving. 
The era of Cherno and Tonton and dear sweet Michael Duff is over. The new football manager is bigger, better, more challenging than ever. And I need some help. If you do too, you can subscribe now. Just look for the Football Manager Show by The Athletic, wherever you get all your other podcasts. It starts in November, and knowing my track record, I'll be unemployed by December. It's the Red Agenda. I'm Steve Hothersall. And uh, on today's pod, James Pearce, Simon Hughes and Kiva O'Neill. Uh, Liverpool, of course, 3-0 winners over Leicester. And, and the attack didn't look like it was missing a significant part without Mo Salah. And that, I suppose that's a compliment to Diogo Jota, who Kiva was just talking about. Scored again at the end of a move that comprised of 30 passes. So you, you've written a piece on The Athletic about the Jota journey. And, and he looks like the buyer of the season, doesn't he? Well, definitely. I mean, it, it, was, it was quite interesting, some of the discussion on Twitter last night because uh, a lot of Wolves fans were saying, oh, well, we've been saying this for, for ages, you know, that he's a, he's a top player. But uh, I, do, I do think that a lot of the discussion about him was, was possibly lost elsewhere just because Wolves have got higher-profile Portuguese players and, and higher-profile foreign players that have taken more of the attention over the last couple of seasons. And it's quite clear he's obviously come to Liverpool. He's getting his, his movements being rewarded. He's got better service coming his way and he, he's, he's flourishing. Uh, you know, what, what I really like about him is, is sort of his, his energy and his aggression in his play. Like, there was a moment against Leicester where he, he spun past um, Christian Fuchs and like he wasn't even there. It was a bit Salah-esque, you know, the way he can turn quickly and get away from his man. And as you said, Liverpool didn't really miss Mo Salah, but I'm sure they would if he didn't play, you know, for, for, for a long period of time because he's been incredible as well this season. But he, he's, for me, he has been the signer of the season. He, he wasn't the player that, that, that any, I don't think any Liverpool fan or any Liverpool person with, with, with an interest in the, the transfer dealings of the club would have pointed at him and said he's the one that they should go and get but he just he just looks very comfortable in a Liverpool shirt and is now becoming a, a fourth member of the famous sort of attacking line that they've got it's obviously we spent quite a bit of time over the last few weeks looking back at his history in Portugal and it's quite quite clear that he, he fits a lot of the characteristics that Jürgen Klopp looks for in a player somebody who who Maybe feels like he's been a bit underestimated throughout his career. Still got that drive to go and prove himself. Um, not always been the player that everyone's spoken about, which at whichever club he's been at, other than uh, Paco Di Ferreira, the way he first started out. Obviously, when you score twelve goals at a club that isn't really expected to do much in the Portuguese league, people do start talking about you in Portugal, but. He went to Atletico Madrid and, and and couldn't get a place in the team and obviously bounced around between Porto and, and Wolves and there are different reasons why that why that happens but I just, I just think it, it's proof that players you know still still they've still got time to develop into the players that they can be if if they make the right career moves and it seems to me that he, he's he's in the right place for his career at the moment bearing in mind the way Liverpool play and how how they're on the front foot and how fluid they are in attack. It, We've seen that he's how effective he is on the left, the right, to the centre. He just he's just been a really really good signing for Liverpool, and I think he'll 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 kick the team on. I think I think he he could end up being the difference at the end of the season because he's given Liverpool an extra threat 
uh, I suppose an added dimension um, and, and just, just increases the, the level of quality that they've got and it seems to me to be pushing the other players further up the pitch to high levels as well so yeah brilliant goal scoring records as well I mean I haven't even spoken about that but but he, he's he's obviously scored a lot of goals and um, I just can't wait to see him in the flesh in front of a in front of a full stadium. Absolutely. It's confidence just looks mega high, doesn't it? As you mentioned, scored all types of goals for Liverpool now from the right, from the left with his head. Um, no one could have anticipated that this quality of buy, James. But maybe as well the effect, the, the knock-on effect for someone like Roberto Firmino who got his goal at the end yesterday. It's noticeable how they all celebrated with Firmino. Jota very much involved in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think you, you could see what that meant to all of Firmino's teammates and, and the staff on the bench as well, because I think that was the, the biggest outpouring of emotion of the night The um, when, when that ball hit the back of the net, because I think everyone knows that, you know, Firmino has had a tough time of it. You know, his, his form has been patchy. You know, his place in the team has been under scrutiny, despite the, um, you know, Klopp's impassioned defences of, of what he still gives the team, even when the goals aren't going in. But, you know, despite all the the talk that you know we and we've discussed it previously about everything you get with Firmino, aside from 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 the finishing touch, you know you can't just judge him on goals. The the reality is it still does affect a player's confidence when they're not scoring. And you know for for a lot of Sunday night, it it seemed he was on a almost like a one man mission to find different ways not to score because he <laughs> it seemed like uh, yeah. he was cursed with the you know the one that came back off the post and then. Was you know I think it was ten ten millimeters, wasn't it? The closest there's ever been with the goal line technology for a for a, for a goal not to be given. You know, just even closer than the the John Stones one at the Etihad the other season. So um, for him to finally get his goal, um, yeah, that'll that'll do him the world of the good. And that was I thought I thought that was just like the absolute icing on the cake in terms of the positives on the night because um, you know to see Fabino back as well was huge. I thought he was. He was immense at, at centre back alongside Joel Matip, and the, the two of them, you know, barely gave Jamie Vardy a kick. You know, we talk about Jamie Vardy having an amazing record against Liverpool, um, and I'm, I remember looking at on Opta about must have been about midway through the second half, and, and and Vardy had touched the ball twelve times in the entire game, which was ju- you know just crazy for someone of his caliber. So um, yeah, defensively really rock solid. You know, I thought as we said before. Curtis Jones just growing in stature with every game he plays, and um, yeah, the fact that the fact that Jota and and then Firmino got themselves goals or um, just just added to it, didn't it? And you know, bizarrely, I thought you know, Sadio Mane was actually very quiet, probably as quiet as he's been for a, for a lot of the season. But um, you know, he can he can save his big contribution for Atalanta on Wednesday night. Yeah, although he did take Fafana to the cleaners once or twice. You mentioned Firmino, and there was that. There was that crazy little passage of play, wasn't there, James? Which you wish the the stadium could have been full for. You, you'd have heard the, you know, the wows and the amazement as he hits the post, and then it comes off the line, and then it hits the stanchion. It it was just the maddest minute. <laughs> it's, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, you know, sitting high up in the main stand as I was, you just you couldn't quite get your head around how the ball hadn't ended up in the back of the net because. Um, you know, two, three, or four occasions when you expected expected it to bulge and it didn't. Um, but yeah, I thought you know Liverpool created so many chances. You know, they they were so incisive in that final third. And you know, just to add to what Simon said on Jota, you know, it's just it's ridiculous how quickly he's settled in. And 
you know, there was a, there was a, there was a lovely bit of play by him in that in that second half where he picked the ball up not far outside his own penalty box and you know and just you know gets his head up early, drives into space and and released Sadio Mane with a you know a, a really incisive pass and you know I think you look at the numbers and they are crazy you know to have eight goals already to his name in I think it was that 12, 12 games for the club first Liverpool player ever to score in their first four home league games and he's you know he's he's actually scored more home league goals than the entire Manchester United squad put together so far this season which um it's uh, you know he's he, he just he, he just looks like he's going to make something happen every every time he gets the ball and um yeah I think also I think you know you got to give give Andy Robertson a huge amount of credit as well for the part he played in that goal because um you know he's an absolute machine Robertson you know to to think that the emotional high of leading Scotland to their first major tournament in over 20 years, you know, then missing a game due to a tight hamstring, then playing 90 minutes in Israel on Wednesday night. And then to perform like that was just, you know, it, it, it defied uh, logic really. But, but yeah, it was, it was a wonderful ball in and, you know, Jota showcased what he's all about with the uh, intelligent movement and the clinical finish. Yeah. Huge statement sent out to, to everyone else. Before we get to the injuries, um, Cy, there was, there was tributes to Ray Clemens, First home game since he, he passed. Um, of course, no fans there. Giant banner on the cop. Clements is our goalie. The best there is around. There was the applause before kickoff. And and, and the goalkeeping staff as well did something very special. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the one behind the goal, didn't they? And, and posted a few photographs. And I think they laid a wreath. I might, might be right in saying. And I, I do think it's something the club should look at. When when we can have fans back in the ground to do uh, you know, sort of some, some other way of marking... Ray Clements' contribution to the club's history because he was he was a loved goalkeeper. He wasn't just respected, you know. He, a lot of a lot of fans, match going fans who sit on the cop or stands on the cop, absolutely loved him. So it'd be, it'd be it'd, I think it'd be nice if they, they they could do something again in in the future when things get back to normal. <laughs> yeah, it was great to see Allison put on the the old green jersey. Of course, yeah. Pre kickoff yeah. as well. I di- I don't know. It just it just showed that it sort of resonated. Across the different generations, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he he obviously grew up in Brazil, and I mean, I very much doubt he'd have been fully aware of Ray Clements's uh, contribution towards Liverpool's history. But I think when you play for Liverpool, you quickly learn about uh, a lot of the, the the characters that have played for the club in the past, because it's it's one of those clubs that you can't escape the history. And he'll have been aware and impressed, I'm sure, by by you know what his achievements in the Liverpool shares, because it. We discussed it last week. I mean, he's may not be the most uh, decorated Liverpool goalkeeper, only narrowly missing out on on that sort of accolade. But he he certainly laid the foundations for the or helped lay the foundations for for um, Liverpool becoming the club that it is now. I mean, I, 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 you don't win anything without having a great goalkeeper, and uh, he was he was obviously the first one to win the European Cup, help Liverpool win the European Cup. So. Um, yeah, I, I, it'd just be nice, I think, in, in the future if they can they can do something slightly more official in, in front of a, a full house at Anfield. This is the Red Agenda. I'm Steve Hothersall, Simon Hughes, James Pearce, Kiva O'Neill on the pod. And let's go to the treatment room, Kiva. So Nabby's in there as well now. It's need a pretty big treatment room up at Kirby for them all. 
I bet Jurgen can't believe that this situation. Another game, another injury. It's relentless, isn't it? It just doesn't seem to stop, does it? Even um, I was at the under-23 games on Saturday and Paul Glatzel and Joe Hardy both got injured. You know, it just seems even, you know, Liverpool's academy are being affected by, you know, injuries at the minute. And Klopp was there on Saturday and then on Sunday now he has to face, obviously, Naby Keita being being on the sidelines, which I'm sure will, you know, not be not be any good news, will it? Um, considering I think he had a really good game and we needed the midfield to really turn it on, didn't we? With, you know, so many absentees and I thought that he did that and then for him to pull up like he did and, you know, go down in pain wasn't wasn't very good. I think Klopp sort of said after, didn't he, that it, it didn't look good. Um, so there's sort of another player now to the injury list. But I think what Liverpool will sort of take from last night more than more than anything is that they can sort of cope with injuries and like Simon mentioned earlier in the podcast you know they don't want any more to happen and you know god forbid that but Liverpool know that one player missing they can rejig things around and I think it sort of sums up how Klopp's players like James mentioned they train with that intensity and you know they're always sort of ready to to step up and not necessarily play in their position they just play for the team almost and you know it's, it's another big blow isn't it but then on the back of that you're looking probably like Thiago should be back soon I mean it's mad to think that the, the tackle in the derby from Richarlison has completely kept him out since then you know at the time we didn't think it'd be this long and I think it's good that Jota sort of stepped up and been the, the signing of the summer because we were all thinking that it was going to be Thiago and I'm sure he will you know come to the fore he's, he's an excellent footballer isn't he and then obviously you, you're hoping Henderson can come back fit as well and you know um, I think to see Oxlade-Chamberlain last week you know on the grass um, spraying balls about was good wasn't it um, finally after you know his little short injury layoff I think he's still got some work to do there but you know th there is positives to take as well with, with some players coming back as much as you know it is quite a, quite a, a cloud of injury darkness almost fell over Liverpool didn't it but now it does seem that with that win as well, I think they sort of think, you know, we can, we can get by with with James Miller, I think, playing wherever you need them to. <laughs> yeah, the, the ultimate utility, man. Uh, James, we spoke last week about um, the possibility of sounding a centre-half in January. David Ornstein put in his column that he felt Liverpool weren't going to go down that path. Did, interested to get your take on this. You, you still believe it's highly likely they will bring someone in or not? I, I think it's all up in the air at the moment. I think it's too, it's too soon to say. I mean, Klopp was asked about it on Friday at his press conference and... He, he said we're we're looking at all options. He said, you know, obviously in the short term at least, he's he's focused on working with what he's got because he you know he can't change anything for what is it ten games I think Liverpool have across the different competitions between now and and January the first. So yeah, I, I think it's genuinely too soon to say because you know it's obviously when Liverpool perform as well as they did last night, and of course you know you've got Fabinho back, you've got Matip you know, did really well. And you've got, you know, Nat Phillips and Reese Williams who have both done well when called upon so far. But, you know, I, I still think the situation could, could change again in the next month or so, just with the schedule, because we know full well that, you know, will, will Joel Matip really be able to put together a run of five, six, seven, eight games back to back? You know, I, I, I don't know. We, you know, it's been a long time uh, at Liverpool since he's managed to do that. So yeah, I, I just at the moment I just think it's too too soon to say. I mean, it, we know that January isn't the ideal time to to go and buy Liverpool. Liverpool's preference would certainly be to to wait until next summer when they think that you know availability and cost 
would make things you know much easier to get a deal done. But you know the reality is it it could almost be forced upon them if you know if Joel Matip, heaven forbid, was to was to pick up an issue between now and January, then I don't really see how Liverpool could could not go and bring someone in for the second half of the season because there would just be too much at stake not to. Interesting. Uh, do, do we have a time frame, James, for for Trent Alexander Arnold at the moment? Not far off. No, I think um, you know I was told three to four weeks, and what was that two weeks ago? So um, so yeah, there should be a further update on him in the next twenty four hours or so. But um, as far as I'm aware, he, his rehab coming along well. Thiago, you know, I think everyone's obviously waiting, um, desperate to see him back in a Liverpool shirt, and you know he should, you know, touch wood, be back in full training at some point this week. You know, it's been a long, hard slog getting him back to, to full fitness with, you know, unfortunately him still been suffering some discomfort in his knee. But um, so, yeah, him and, and obviously Jordan Henderson, the, um, you know, not risked at the weekend. But, um, you know, the, the, the word was that that's not too serious either. And, you know, even Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's kind of been forgotten about, really, because he just, you know, he obviously been injured since pre-season. But, um, you know, he's back out working on the grass at Kirby. Um, so at least you know certainly midfield wise you know the um, despite the the loss of Cater there um, there's some timely reinforcements on the way. Absolutely, let's check out the the contenders in, in the Premier League. There's a um, good piece that Simon's been involved in on the Athletic at the moment, looking at the impact of Pep Guardiola signing a new deal at at City. Uh, I don't think it was ever anticipated Pep would lead at the end of his contract, but given their struggles this season, side perhaps the question is. How much of a job has he still got to do there? And are they Liverpool's closest challengers this season still? Yeah, well, I, mean, I don't see a lot of City. I see enough to form a reasonable judgment. So I sort of defer to some of the City writers who, who are obviously looking at the club and watching the team play a lot a lot more. And I was speaking to Jack Pickbrook the other day and he, he sort of written about this, about how it sort of feels like Pep Guardiola hasn't quite sort of managed to turn them around. Yeah, it feels like uh, it's a, it's a bit of a marriage of convenience almost at the moment because th- th- there's not um, there aren't the options in terms of all the clubs that he might go to that, that you might expect. Obviously, uh, Juventus have gone and, and appointed Andre Pirlo, and they're sort of hoping that he's going to be able to become the, the club's long term manager. Although they've had a difficult start. And then there's, there's obviously the conversation about going back to Barcelona at some point, but obviously it's been quite well de- documented that the Barcelona are in a mess. Meanwhile, back at City, you know, who do they appoint? Who would who would do the job that they want? Who's going to get them closer to the the Champions League? I mean, I, I know obviously Guardiola hasn't won the Champions League for quite a long time now, but you'd, you'd still expect him to be able to do it at some point because he's, he's a top-class manager. They obviously backed him big in the summer with the, some of the defensive recruits. They've obviously spent hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds on the defence. And that, that's where I think you, you, you can criticise Guardiola because he's he's been able to sort of spin the roulette wheel quite regularly on, on the defence. Uh, John Stone's forever on the bench at the moment, it seems. So still, I know they lost to Tottenham. They didn't play very well at all against Tottenham. You'd still expect them to be right up there at the end of the season. I think they will possibly reach a point a bit like Liverpool when they kick in and start finding their rhythm because obviously the the, the way uh, the, the, the fixture list has been this season, it, it's it's affected, um, you know, a lot of the sort of teams you'd expect to be at the top of the league. And I think now gradually most of those teams are finding their way. And I think City will reach that point pretty soon. They haven't had too bad a situation with injuries. I, th- I think the big thing for City over the next couple of years, particularly under... 
under Guardiola is how do you replace Sergio Aguero? He still hasn't signed a contract, which I think is 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 quite telling when you get into the final year, just as it is with Wijnaldum. So uh, at Liverpool, um, he he's he for me has been one of the great Premier League players. You look at his goal scoring record; he doesn't quite get the credit that I think he, he deserves. Possibly because he plays for Man, C- Man City, and it's it's almost expected that he, he does as well as he does, but. He's really hurt Liverpool at times at the Etihad. Never quite done it at Anfield, of course. But I think finding a replacement for him in the long term is 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 going to be going to be tricky for them because I think he's such a top player. So, but yeah, this season I think they'll get their problems sorted and and soon be right back up there. They're only eight points behind Liverpool with a game in hand. So quite quickly that becomes five points and. All the, all the, you know, there's a lot of teams at the top there, so it'll become very congested. I think that's the one great thing about the Premier League this season so far, is the, you know, the, the, over the weekend I think we've got three or four teams that have taken top spots at different points. So uh, while that drama carries on, I don't think Jurgen Klopp's going to get too much support for the the changes that he'd like to make. I, I think Pep's got a, a big challenge on his hand, possibly one of one of the biggest in his managerial career. Um, James, do you, do you get the impression that either manager is driven by the challenge posed by the other one, and it's important that Pep signs a new deal to maintain that? Yeah, I think I think they definitely kind of thrive off the the competition, and you know I think there's a healthy respect between Klopp and Guardiola, but it doesn't it doesn't extend as far as friendship because they they are just both such fierce competitors that want to win, and they're you know they're the figureheads for two clubs who have. You know, have, have developed a very modern and at times bitter rivalry in recent years. So, um, yeah, well, they're, I mean, they're not mates, are they, James? We saw them at no, the no. Northwest Football Awards last year, and there was, <laughs> there was no sign that they were pals together. No, 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 no. I think yeah, they did. Have, they did have a, a chat, didn't they? Over, I think it was over over a, a drink before dinner. But it was you know, it was telling that as soon as the the presentations were done, Guardiola was was out the room sharpish, wasn't he? And Klopp was still there two hours later. Um, sat sat on our table, wasn't he, with uh, with Margaret Aspinall, and um, and was absolutely absolutely brilliant. And it was uh, so yeah, very very different personalities and characters, but yeah, both both immensely gifted. And I think I think you know I, I, I I'm sure Guardiola will will revive City, and they will they will come back again. I mean, the fact that he signed that contract, I'm sure he's been given guarantees about money to be able to to reinvest and you know obviously it's reignited talk of whether we're going to see Lionel Messi potentially go in there for next season um but you know I, the reality is I don't see City putting in a, a proper challenge for Liverpool's crown this season because I you know I, I thought there'd be a big response from them you know that after you know what should have been embarrassment really to be so far behind Liverpool um, last last term, um, but if anything, City look like they've regressed. Um, and I know they're, they're missing a few personnel at the moment, but you know when you've invested as much as Guardiola has, there's no excuse to to look so toothless um, as they have done. I think when I've seen City a lot this season, I've actually found them quite boring to watch, which I don't think I've ever really been able to say about Guardiola's City before. Um, you know, I thought I thought Tottenham did did a job on them at the at the weekend and you know it wasn't that long ago that that Leicester absolutely you know ran all over them as well in terms of picking them off so um so yeah he's got a lot on his plate there Guardiola and um yeah I think 
I, that, that's that's why I think, despite the injuries, Liverpool are just in an unbelievably strong position because you know you everyone expected City to be the main challengers, and I, I don't actually think that will prove to be the case. You're with the Red Agenda podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Let's finish off with a look at Liverpool's um, European journey this week. Kiva, Atalanta at home. Been such a strong start to the campaign, stronger than ever before. So Atalanta back to back and Diogo Jota put them to the sword last time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you'd probably on the back of that, which was just an incredible. I think that was the feel good other than, you know, the Leicester game last night. That was the feel good win of the season. And it sort of got fans almost believing in, in, in the season again after, you know, a, a difficult couple of weeks with after, um, you know, obviously Virgil's injury and stuff like that. It, it, it's kind of, you know, it got us all feeling a bit better, didn't it? And obviously Jota scored a hat-trick that night. You'd expect him to, to be up to similar magic um, at Anfield this week. Um, and hopefully Liverpool can comfortably win that. And depending on other results, I'm no mathematician, far from it. You'd think with a win there, they've they've all but qualified um, from the group. And I think, you know, that'll lessen the strain on Jurgen Klopp and his players um, with obviously Ajax and Midgieland still to play. I just sort of think back to obviously Simon and James have sort of touched on it on the pod and it's kind of like last night was the night when I really missed Anfield and missed going to the game and you would almost miss it more now this week going for the Atalanta game because of that performance and you're hoping to see similar and you know they beat them 5-0 a few weeks ago and obviously they beat Leicester last night and it just felt like that would have been a real occasion last night and, you know, you'd be really chomping at the bit to get inside the ground. You'd be in early and I just find it now it's getting to the point where it is kind of like a sadness. And, uh, you know, you felt it for a while. Obviously, we missed them lifting the league title, etc. But I don't know, it's getting to that point now where it's, it is hard going, not, not going anymore. And I know we're all in it together, which should bring us some comfort, but it, it is getting to the point now where it's it's quite sad, isn't it? Well, isn't it just um, everyone desperate to get back in? You, you mentioned the strain on the squad, and let's finish on this, because Jürgen, despite being happy with the performance against Leicester, Si, was pretty strong in his thoughts on, on the strain and the, the turnover between games. Yeah, I mean, it, it was quite interesting that the that coverage seemed to get cut from the uh, the stuff that went out on TV. Um, it's quite clear that he, he feels very passionate about this. I, I can understand more of his argument now that that he's sort of articulated it in in the way that he has because he's basically saying that if you've got a a late kickoff on a Wednesday you shouldn't have an early kickoff on a Saturday and that is related purely to the pandemic in terms of because of the the rate at which games are being played this season the amount of international games that hasn't changed you know the amount amount of travelling that they're doing and everything else so he's saying that in the context of a pandemic he thinks that that is too unrealistic for players to be able to cope with the burden of those of that schedule, and it, it is it is it does it does stand up in terms of what's happened to his squad, and I mean I mentioned before Le- Leicester as well have had a fair number of muscle injuries, muscle injuries across the the top Premier League teams that are having to play two games a week, that they're having major problems with that. So I can understand the arguments. I know. A lot of people will say, "Well, that's what Liverpool and the other the other football clubs signed up to when they, when they got paid hundreds of millions of pounds to to compete and and have these games televised." But I think the point that Jurgen Klopp was sort of trying to stress was that th- these agreements were brokered before the pandemic, and now we're in a situation where more and more players are getting injured. 
if they can't play, it reduces the quality of the game and the spectacle for the TV company so that they've got to then think about about how that might look in a couple of months' time. I mean, he even said quite dramatically that Liverpool might not even have 11 players by the end of the season. But bear in mind, you've got the, the, the European Championships at the end of the season. It could have an impact on that. Players might not be available. Uh, so I think I think he's right to get the, the debate on the, you know, on the table because I think when it comes from a position of being Liverpool manager, I think it's a tough argument because A, lots of people, particularly fans, don't don't like Liverpool, the champions at the moment. So it's it's hard to have that voice. But he's obviously saying that it's not just a Liverpool related problem. It's a it's a problem that's affecting a lot of the clubs. And at the moment I think there's only um five or six clubs in the Premier League whose managers feel that they should stick to the what they've got at the moment. But that suits them. Obviously it's, it suits them the uh, they don't have European football to think about. I, I think it's something that there needs to be more discussion about. I, th- I think that's Klopp's big issue, that there's not enough actual discussion and cooperation between the broadcasters, the football authorities, the club managers. They don't sit down and actually talk through wh- whether this is the right path that they're following. Because, as, as I said, we, we could reach a situation, I think, after after Christmas when we, we're going into the busiest period of the season. There might be games where there's a quite a lot of youth team players playing in, in certainly in the Liverpool team, the way it's going at the moment. So I can understand his frustration. And I, I think that if people were to approach the subject in a adult-like fashion, then they might understand where he's coming from. But that is seldomly the case when it comes to any football discussion, isn't it? Yeah. Simon, James, Kiva, uh, many thanks as always. Brilliant. Lots of content on The Athletic at the moment. Uh, check out a great piece on Liverpool's under-23s and why Jurgen Klopp has got a closer eye on the next generation. Now he's up at Kirby. Kiva's written that. Well worth reading. It's on the site. Thank you very much to the guys. Red Agenda's back in a week. Mm-hmm. 